Hello and welcome. This is Home Life for Extraordinary Impact. My name is Matt Barrios. I'm a husband, dad, researcher, and writer based in San Francisco, California. What I'm doing on this show is I'm researching global perspectives on home to help you figure out ways that you can transform your quality of life at home so that your home is a place of consistent growth, meaningful connection with other people, and really sets you up to make your greatest impact in the world around you. That's what we're up to on this show, and for that I get to interview some really fun and interesting people with different angles on home life. I get to hear a little bit about their own homes as well from their unique expertise, and today is no exception to that. Today I get to talk with Hillary Kinney, who is based in Maryland, and I'm just so excited to chat with somebody who is a specialist in project management and also parenting and is an author. So, I mean, just a stack of things that we could chat about today as we explore home. So, Hillary, thank you for taking some time to be on the show. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So, one of the first questions I like to ask people um, is, what are the things that you do at your home, perhaps even from this angle of project management, parenting, you know, that your expertise what are the, some of the unique things that you like to do to set up your home to make your greatest impact? I like to make sure that um, with my son, it's clear communication about what he needs to do to help out as a family. So one thing I do is I've got a very simple whiteboard and with a dry erase marker, I just write, okay, today's Monday, you have to take out the trash and you have to do your homework. Just so he can walk in the door and see what needs to be done, you know, if I'm busy, we don't have to have a conversation. My husband can check it. And it just streams, streamlines the communication, and it's a one-stop shop for him to go to on what needs to happen for that day. That is so helpful, the whiteboard method. Uh, my wife grew up with uh, a family that had a whiteboard, a, a check chart. And uh, mm -hmm. so you had your chores. You checked each day when you did what you're supposed to do and everything. And uh, then it was incentivized with the rewards and all of these yeah, kinds of things. And then yeah. he was just asking me yesterday, Mom, what do I get for my allowance uh, this week? And normally it's like $5 a week. I was like, well, this week I remember taking out the trash, so you get $3. He's like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he knows that, you know, it stacks up with, you know, what he gets done. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that sounds very, very helpful. Uh, teaching responsibility, I think, sounds like a, a purpose of that and kind of like, awareness of what needs to happen and contributing your piece to the equation. Mm -hmm. um, what are the other things that go, go through your parenting mind when you set something like that up? Mm -hmm. Well, communication is key. Um, it's not just about creating, you know, a process. It's about talking about it, getting people on board, designing something that makes sense for everybody. Cause it's not helpful for me to come in with, um, you know, a process that doesn't make sense for the family is too complicated. So I think when people think project management, they think, Oh my goodness, that's like 500 spreadsheets in a computer program. Yeah. But, uh, but it's not at home. Um, keep it simple. Just use, you know, a really simple process and talk to your kids about what's helpful or your spouse. So I think at the foundation of it is that is it that it's a conversation and it's the communication back and forth about what's working. Um, like, for example, when we had this list, um, you know, I was mad at my son because he didn't get something done when I thought he was going to get it done. He's like, well, mom, it would be helpful if you told me like when you expected me to get it done. And I was like, oh, good point. So then, yeah. you know, we set the expectation, okay, before you go out to play or you have screen time, you need to get these things done. And that, nice. you know, cleared up that, you know, miscommunication. So it really is a two-way street 
and a conver ongoing conversation. Um, and the thing that's interesting with kids is they're constantly learning and growing so that their yes. needs may change or their, um, you know, their ability to remember things. So now my, my son's 11 and it's easier for him to remember, oh, Monday's trash day. So I've got to take yeah. out the trash. So there's less of a need for that very detailed reminder. He's kind of on the cycle. Oh, Tuesday's recycling. Yeah. I've got to do recycling. So um, it's also important to keep in mind the age of the kids and what makes sense for them and um, how it may evolve over time. Because, you know, they always surprise us. When you think you've got one thing down, like it evolves, and then you're on to the next phase. So it's yeah. good to keep be flexible about it. Stay flexible. Stay attuned to what's going on with your kid, what they're capable of doing, what what they can't. I even love that like communication is a huge value for you where you're willing to hear from your son like, oh, I didn't realize when I needed to get that done by. And so mm -hmm. you, you take it as, oh, that's something I just get to clarify now. And, right. uh, you know, I feel like I had certainly those moments as a kid growing up where it was something like, oh, you should have known that this was happening. And just like, I just didn't know. All right. Like, right. You know, whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, and that's actually the case with all of us often is we just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I love the value. Yeah, of good intent, but you know, unclear expectation. Yeah, I, that's that's really valuable. You mentioned uh, the developmental layer of it. Mm -hmm. So like watching as uh, your son's growing up, what he's capable of doing or paying attention to or remembering. Um, so like, what, what was that like in kind of earlier phases? When did you start? Uh, I guess I'm really interested in this from the angle of I have a one and a half year old. Okay, um, yeah. And I know like I'm slowly teaching her like to put her shoes back, you know, mm -hmm. like in the little bin where we put her shoes at the front door. Right. Right. Yeah. And now she loves it and we cheer for her every time and she's a big fan and you know, it's like great. Um, but what does that, how has that developmental process played out uh, mm -hmm. parenting and project managing uh, with your kids? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm a little further along in the in the process. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a journey. And it's really important to keep in mind, like you said, the developmental stage of the kids. Um, and when they're super young, you know, they can't do a lot, you know, we're taking care of them. Yeah. Um, we're teaching them we're more in teaching mode, like we have to show them how to put their shoes back, we can't just tell them how to put their yes. shoes back. And they could probably handle like one thing at a time. And mm -hmm. just you know, putting their sh and they're going to be a lot less consistent you know, in it. One thing that that I struggled with is I thought my son was further along than he was like, I tell him to do three things. And he would get flustered. And it took him a while to tell me, Mom, you know, I, I need you to tell me to do one thing at a time. Mm. So I sort of assumed that he could do that, but he couldn't. So I had to like back it up and be like, Oh, you know, I really have to be careful about how much I ask him to do. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's with really little kids, like when he was really little, I did pictures, you know, like did pictures of like a little trash can or, you know, pictures mm -hmm. of a little book if you had to do reading for homework. So the pictures are really helpful for little kids or um, some kids are really tactile, you know, it depends yeah. on their learning style. So um, I've seen some people have like two mason jars and they have like, you know, a popsicle stick with, a, you know, a book on it or it says, you know, a picture of a book and you move it from one mason jar to the other. Uh, or you can do that with balls or, you know, different things. So um, depending on what kind of resonates with your kid and that what is. kind of their their learning style is, um, my son was okay with seeing it and that worked well for him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he really liked the check and he is super motivated by rewards. So, um, but the other thing that's interesting is we've had to switch up the rewards too. So, oh, yeah. you know, for a while a trip to the dollar store worked, 
But then, uh-huh. you know, that kind of got bored. So then we had to up it to like a trip to five below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, and then it was screen time. And now he's really interested in cash. So it kind of depends on, you know, where they are and, and what what they want to do. Um, so, yeah, you can adjust it, you know, based on their personal preferences, too. That is I, I, you are like giving some pro level wisdom on wow, okay. how to raise children <laughs> in this way. I'm I'm personally very very thankful for it. So uh, yeah, this is so Good. great. Good. And, you know, I know this is a, a passion and expertise that you have, which is really approaching parenting, family life, setting that up in order for it to be, you know, well managed um, and well functioning. How did you get into this kind of uh, this? Uh, work or focus or passion? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been a project manager by trade for 18 years. Um, I'm a certified professional project manager. I work for a Fortune uh, 500 company. So I've done a lot of really big, like million dollar projects for big like corporations globally. Like you roll something out across, uh, you know, 7,000 properties around the world. What? So I was used to like these really big projects. And, um, you know, they kind of say once a project manager, always a project manager is kind of how you think. <laughs> Yep. And the thing about project management is it's a repetitive process. Like I use the same process or foundation for each project I do at work. It's just customized and the tasks are different for each project. So when you get your project manager certification, you're learning a process for managing the work. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really start thinking about it, how it applies to home life until the pandemic hit. And all of a sudden, all of us parents had all this work at home. You know, we were teachers, we were trying to do our work regular job, we had to provide all the after school activities and aftercare because everything was closed. So I was like, wow, this is like work when you have a ton of things to do, and you have to figure out to get it done in a very efficient manner. Yes. So it just started with a thought and a LinkedIn article. You know, I was like, hey, I hear a lot of us are struggling. Here's some thoughts of things I use at work that I think could help us in this environment. And um, it just started gaining traction and people started getting really interested in it. And it just kind of snowballed from there into speaking engagements and a book deal and, and you know, just ongoing requests for information. So it's funny when people hear it, they're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. It just took us a while to put the dots together. Um, exactly. I, I feel like that's it. a common experience when, when you have such deep expertise like you do in project management. And, and then you, you have the ability to apply that to these different, uh, different projects, but also different uh, domains, right? Mm-hmm. Not only in work domains, but also in home domains, family life, mm-hmm. so on. Imagine everything, right? Vacations and so on. Right. right? It, yeah, it's unlimited yeah. what you can apply it to. Yeah, I have that it's, example in my book, How to Plan a Family Vacation with Project Management. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a big project. <laughs> well, I mean, could you just give us a little taste of what, like, what would be maybe even zooming on, on that idea of planning a vacation using some of your project management skills? What would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, there's something called we call scope in project management, and it's basically I boiled it down to like your one page scope. You're all you want to get on the same page, right? So you want to talk to your partner or whoever you're going on vacation with, like, okay, what's our idea of of our projects? You all want to agree, right? You don't want someone planning to go to yeah. the beach and the other person's planning to go to the mountains, and then you come together and you're like, oh wait, yeah. we didn't think about that. So it's all about getting on the same page. You know, so, um, and you can just break it down into the who, what, why, where, how, right? Yeah. 
Hmm. Like, why are we going on this vacation? Who's going? What are we going to do? How much is it going to cost? So it's just basically having that, again, having that conversation so you all understand, first of all, is really important. Um, So yeah, so that's basically scope for you. What are you going to do? What do you, how long is the vacation? How much money do you want to spend? That's your budget. Yeah. So it's a very clear connection, which is kind of fun. And getting um, on the same page with that. Like yeah, having the literally. dialogue, really figuring out like, oh, actually, we might disagree on that thing. So how do we come mm-hmm. to a compromise on that or what have you? Yeah. yeah. Like my husband, he's like a big time adventurer. And, um, and I, I like adventure, but I also like my beach relaxing time. Yeah. So I remember on our honeymoon, my husband was like, Oh, we're going to do like zip lining and then we're going to do a cave thing and then we're going to do this. I'm like, hun, like we'll have just gotten married. I need to like chill out on the beach for a couple days. So that was like <laughs> yeah. our first like big marital thing we had to figure out, you oh, know? Yeah. And we were basically figuring out the scope of our honeymoon project, right? Like yes. what makes sense yes. for the people involved and what are we going to agree to so then we can move forward together to, oh. to make it happen? Because, you know, if someone's not on board, it's a lot harder to make that happen or you know then issues come up later and it's better to just resolve it at the beginning and then it's much easier to move forward together as you're like working towards that same goal hillary you are like you are almost like repeating an experience from our lives too like when we were honeymoon (laughs) planning it was so wild like i i think like very very parallel situation my wife is very active very adventurous like her idea of traveling involves climbing mountains like mm-hmm. you know that's just like a must i'm a little bit more laid back i love beach and a book and going swimming in the ocean like you know that's prime time for me mm-hmm. um, so we had that conversation the like what would we like out of our honeymoon i don't think we got to the full clarity required to really be like oh yeah um this airbnb that we got in tahiti it had rocks for floor and uh you know that's not the kind of roughing it i was looking forward to in uh for our honeymoon um but yeah so like i'm just like flashing back to uh all those years ago on our right yeah and it's that communication that improves the quality of your life right when you're sort of thoughtful and keep this in mind when okay so my husband and I just went through a kitchen renovation and um, having that conversation. Well, what do you want? How much money do we want to spend? Mm-hmm. When do we want to do it? You know, what color do we want the cabinets? And, you know, coming to that together. And obviously we may not agree, but we figure it out together what we're what the yeah. end product is going to be. Um, and then, you know, it improves your marriage because you're talking about it. You're yeah. you're surfacing things early instead of it coming out as a disagreement later. So, and it it provides, the thing I love about project management is it provides a way to have difficult conversations more easily Hmm. because you can just say, okay, let's talk about what's the plan for this project. You know, let's run through the who, what, why, where, how, when. And um, you can just have this conversation about it and it sort of takes the emotion out of it. Hmm. And you can have a more, you know, rational conversation before you're all keyed up and upset because, you know, this difference came up. So it's being really proactive in the planning up front to reduce those disagreements or that confusion later. And then it's supported by this organization piece later, once you've agreed on it, to make sure that everything gets handled and, you know, it executes smoothly. Hillary, I'm like learning things from you right now that I need to apply to my life. So thank you so much. You are the perfect guest to have on this. Okay, so you go through this process of um, defining the scope, communicating through it and everything. What would be the next step 
uh, in, in a project management situation. Yep. So then you just start writing down what needs to happen. You start documenting the tasks. Um, you know, at work, obviously, you know, it's a little more robust, but at home, you know, I often just use like the notes function on my phone or, you know, depending on, you know, how complicated it is, I may, you know, whip out, you know, an Excel spreadsheet and just start, you know, writing things down, um, just to keep things in mind. Cause it's easy to forget if there are a lot of little steps yeah. involved. So it's basically just write down what needs to happen. And then once you've written down and then it's an iterative process, it's ongoing cause stuff is going to come along later. Oh, I got to add that to the list. We don't want to forget that. Yes. So you add that in and then um, depending on who's doing the work, you decide who's going to do it, you know? Um, so, you know, my husband loves vacation planning, so he'll do a lot of research. You know, I work for a hotel company, so I'll book the hotels, you yeah. know, I like to cook. So I usually handle the restaurants. So we kind of do it based on what our natural talents are and interests Smart. are, which is easy. And if there's something we really, neither of us really wants to do like trip insurance, you know, we'll sort of <laughs> like maybe draw a straw and decide who wants to figure <laughs> that one out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then it's like deciding who does the work after that. That makes sense. Okay. So you, you figure out scope, then you create the the log of the tasks that need to happen mm -hmm. and then it's delegating the tasks to i love that thought of according to what people's interests or capabilities are too mm -hmm. like according to each other's strengths yeah. versus like well you got to do it even though you, you will not enjoy this and it'll be very inefficient and right so on, and then yeah and it also depends on what people have going on like if i'm really busy at work my husband will be like well let me take that you know, yeah. so it's a conversation or if he knows, if I know that he's, you know, got a lot going on, then I'll take something on. So it's that, that's, it's the broader awareness. We call it resource capacity planning and project management. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. Throw that term around. Don't, don't <laughs> say that at home, but that's, um, you know, it's just keeping in mind, you know, what sort of go else is going on. Yeah. Um, and then it's also important just to keep that in mind in your family in general. Like, don't do too much when, like, at the beginning of school, or eventually when you get there, or if you have a big work project, don't be planning something major going on at home. Just mm -hmm. be mindful, sort of, of the ebb and flow of your schedule, and when you have busy times, when you have slower times, and try to slot things in, just so you're not overwhelming the family with too, too many new projects or changes at yeah. once, which yeah. is really helpful. Because that'll, at your age group, that reduces tantrums for your young children. Because they express their, their, you know, frustration through tantrums, you know, yeah. with adults, we get frustrated and, you know, we get overwhelmed. So just keeping that in mind overall, what does your family have going on before you start scheduling these projects is really helpful. Very, very thoughtful. And I imagine planning for margin for those unexpected things, you mm -hmm. know, uh, can be really important as well. Uh, yeah. I know me and my wife, we tend to try to pack in as much as possible. And then we yeah, find ourselves too. in these overwhelmed yeah. situations where, yeah, yeah. like, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we could have given ourselves an extra 20 minute buffer and then everything would have been fine, you know? Right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm always trying to pack in as much as possible. Yeah. Um, this is so, so helpful. So uh, now I want to kind of zoom in on maybe your home. I feel like we've sort of been talking about it from the project management angle. But what are the sort of places that uh, you have called home over the course of your life? Yeah, what, where have those homes been? Well, that's a bit of a story. Um, I'm, I guess growing up, I'm what you call a global nomad because I'm the daughter of an American diplomat. So I actually grew up in um, California, lived there for three years, then D.C. for a year for language training. Then we went to Saudi Arabia, 
back to DC to the same house, which is actually wise on my parents' side, because they rented it out, then over to Poland for three years, back to DC, then I went to prep school in Massachusetts, college in New York, spent some time in Colorado, um, and then back to the DC area since college. Wow. So. The, the, the global diplomat life, uh, it sounds like a it would have a lot of adjustment to it and a lot of exploration and kind of like mm -hmm. learning to adapt. Um, and, and that sounds really great in some ways and also really challenging in other ways. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you, maybe even as a kid or teenager and, and so on, to um, make these places home along the way? What did you learn about making places home? Well, it's kind of interesting. It was kind of nice because I have three brothers and sisters. So we were sort of like our own little pack wherever we went. Mm -hmm. So we always had our family and, um, you know, my mom is a great cook and she always embraced the culture where we were moving to. So it was always kind of fun. We, and my parents were very adventurous. So we're always like in Saudi Arabia, we would go camping. And in Poland, we would go hiking and we'd see foxholes from World War II. And so they really embraced the culture, which I think is a really good example of how you make home home, right? Is you really kind of dive in and embrace it. And I found that I've kind of continued that. Um, they say people who grew up that way, either they keep that cycle of moving every two to three years, which is my brother, because he's continued the diplomat lifestyle, or me and my sister, we've like stayed put in the DC area. We're like, we love to travel, we'll go on great trips, but we want our home base. Yes. So, um, but it's still, I still have that mentality of, wow, I really want to dive in. I really want to be active in the community. You know, I really want to get to know people. So yeah. it kind of gives you this mindset of exploration. Um, and really interest in, in other people's and other cultures too. That's really cool, especially like living in a place like Saudi Arabia or Poland, you know, like that's different from DC, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and so there's a lot of adapting linguistically, culturally, you know, different uh, social tells for how, how people are supposed to be more or less, right? Like unspoken, mm -hmm rules about right. uh, social life yeah what's any that you came across in that way uh that like were surprising uh maybe socially for you uh, as you were growing up well i have to say as a kid i was i was kind of um shielded because you're sort of given more of a pass but i remember being in saudi arabia and walking through the souk with my mom and you know in muslim cultures it's very conservative what the women wear so you have to be covered from your wrists down to your ankles and I think perhaps either like half an inch of her wrist or half an inch of her ankles was showing. Um, and so, you know, she was getting sort of jeered a bit in the in the souk about that. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. As a kid, I could run around in shorts and a T-shirt and I was fine. But the expectation was different for, you know, people that were older. So, um, so it's just a very different culture. And then we were recently in Mexico and I was also, um, it was interesting. The dress code was much more conservative. Like I rarely saw women in shorts and I had brought mainly shorts and maybe two pairs of pants, but I spent my whole time wearing pants because I wanted to be respectful of that culture. Ah, so it's made me more thoughtful. We're going to Africa in two weeks. And so I was like, well, let me check and make sure what the dress code is. And we checked and yeah, you're supposed to, women are supposed to wear more pants. So I just went shopping yesterday to get pants. So it's just, it's like you said, it's like being aware of what's going on around you and, you yes. know, being in that culture, but being respectful of, you know, what their traditions are too. Yeah. I, I, that is really important to do and in order to show respect to people. And also it allows that much more opportunity to 
embrace being in a place for all it's worth to to learn from it and mm-hmm. um, you know take in some of the values that are are worth worth appreciating you know in these different places yeah. um, I'm curious if you had opportunities to visit um, people's homes or if like the feeling of home was actually different in these different environments as well um, well it's interesting like um you know, in, in the warmer cultures like Saudi, it's much more open feeling, right? Because you want the natural air in or big courtyards. Yeah. I just remember really big courtyards. And, um, you know, in Poland, it's a colder climate, so it's a little more cozy. And, yeah. you know, um, the houses or the apartments were a little smaller. Um, but I just remember everyone, you know, just being so warm and so welcoming. And I remember even in Saudi when we were camping, we would go out in the desert and camp and we camped, we set up camp once in the middle of the night. We couldn't really see where we were. And when we woke up, we were really close to a Bedouin camp. You know, they live in tents. They live yeah. in tents in the desert. And they came over and they, they spoke with my dad and some of the other, um, you know, men that we were with. And, and, you know, they were speaking Arabic together. So it was just this really nice wow. way to see. And I just remember being in Poland and welcoming in, into our homes and sharing their food and their traditions. Wow. And just this really lovely tradition of just, you know, embracing people from around the world, you know, and just that openness and cur- I think it was like curiosity. They're curious about us. We're curious about them. Like, who are yeah. these Americans? <laughs> uh, so I, I, lo- I love that curiosity both ways of people just wanting to find out, you know, what do you like? And, you know, what's it like where you live? And what yeah. do you do? And that sort of thing. I love it. Gosh, I can't imagine what it would be like to wake up next to like a Bedouin camp. How, how incredible. Like that's a story to tell that you'll get to have for all of your life. How incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really fortunate. Um, so this is a little bit of a, a shift of, uh, you turn, turn around the corner, but, um, I'm curious, like a little bit of a, this and that kind of game for us to play when home is going really great. What does mm-hmm. that look like when home has gone sideways? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So when home's going great, you know, like, well, I think an organized and clean home really helps sort of set that tone, kind of like that peaceful tone when things are a little disorganized, I, you know, you know, makes me feel unsettled. Um, So organized, you know, happy, um, you know, clean. We have housekeepers come every two weeks, which really helps us a lot to, you know, stay on top of things. And I know that, you know, the deep clean is getting taken care of. And when things aren't going so well, I say going through the kitchen renovation was rough. Mm-hmm. You know, we had people in our house from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Like we didn't have any like quiet, like family personal time. It was yeah. noisy. It was dirty. There was dust everywhere. You know, we couldn't get in our kitchen or get through our living room or use the bathroom downstairs. Mm-hmm. And it was hard, you know, um, and it, you know, impacted our schedule. So, um, yeah, I'd say when things are a little more disorganized and I was really tired, you know, we're all just tired because you couldn't really get that rest when you're at home and you're in your own space and you can just kind of, you know, disconnect a little bit and take a deep sigh of relief Um, because, you know, we're sharing our space with with, you know, other people. So. um, So, yeah, that was a challenging time. And now now I really appreciate having our house back. Yeah, (laughs) that we can just sort of enjoy ourselves and have just that like family time together. That's interesting. I think like because home is especially for the relationships that happen in the home. And so anything that kind of throw that off, like having people in work doing renovations for eight hours a day or whatever like that will 
actually get in the way of being able to have quality time connection. Uh, mm-hmm. as there's a sense of things being out of order. I could see how that, that would add up to, gosh, things just feel off. Yeah. You know? Can't wash uh, dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Make dinner out of the microwave. <laughs> it's like eating out a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Eating but now we have a gorgeous kitchen that right. we're very happy with. So. Oh, so good. Congratulations on Thank the gorgeous you. kitchen. Thank that you. is so satisfying. I'm sure. Were you doing the project management for the uh, the Renault? What did that look like? Well, you know what? We hired a general contractor, so it I didn't have to do the project management. So he was the project manager and he would just ask us questions. So it was a really nice way I to handle it. it. That is so I mean, good. Well, I mean, my husband and I, you know, we talked about the budget and, you know, what we wanted to spend. But, you know, when, when it came time to do it, you know, we have no expertise in home renovation. So it's better if a true professional handles it. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm curious now, another, another angle on this. Um, in regards to your possessions, the things that you own, the things that you um, have hanging up around the house or stored away or whatever, do you have any prized possessions, things that you really love and cherish, and what are they? Well, we really love the outdoors. Um, you know, we love going camping and going hiking and biking and walking the dog, and that brings us, you know, a great sense of peace and appreciation for the natural world so we like to bring that into our house so um we saved up some money and we got a live edge coffee table it's i think it's cherry wow and it's just you know really beautiful slab of wood with you know you know wood underneath all the way through um and just looking at it it just it just makes me happy you know and it just reminds me of the beauty in nature which makes me feel peaceful so it's like this cue to me that that just brings me joy and peace. That's wonderful, uh, and it it represents. It sounds like this connection to nature and uh, the beauty that you find there. You said that it brings you a sense of peace too. That's so cool. The way that these things can be visual cues, or these things that we use can be reminders of, um, or or even prompters of a certain mm-hmm. state of mind. That's yeah. Really nice. And then in the kitchen, um, you know, we always have a really beautiful stone countertop and backsplash. And that too, it's just very zen, you know, and we have like natural wood cabinets that are light. And, you know, we sort of bucked the trend. The, the contractor was like, well, I'm just doing white cabinets. And I was kind of like, eh, you know, I, I, I don't want it that bright, you know, and, and they're like, well, navy blue is also, also really popular. And I was like, eh. so we went with our instinct to go with the natural tones and, and we love it. And it just brings us again, that sense of peace and joy. And I walk in, I just kind of go, ah, it's just very peaceful. Uh. So, um, so I think it's important to like, think of what you don't have to follow the trends, just, you know, yeah. go with what it's your home and make it, you know, something that brings you joy. Make it what you want. The things mm-hmm. that will, yeah. There's something about things being on trend that, sure, like it, it will is on trend now, but it won't be on trend in ten years. Right. right. Like, and who's living there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Who's got to live with it? Yeah. I'm curious if you have a, a favorite place in your home. Favorite place, um, kitchen. I love to cook, mm. so I can just go in there and just you know, you know, cook. Um, and that's my happy place. Um, my husband does not like to cook. Um, he loves to read. So his is the study. So we each have our own spots. Um, my son is anywhere we are. And then my dog is, he prefers our bed. 
which he shouldn't be on, but <laughs> that's what he likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that it's forbidden just just makes him like right, more exactly. unsure. <laughs> get off, get off. No, 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 no. That's this is where I want to be. Right. So comfortable. <laughs> Much better than my dog bed. Oh yeah, yeah. Seriously, um, that's great. So you like cooking? How how did you get into cooking? What were the kind of like gateways into loving that and appreciating that for you? I think it came from my mom, you know, my mom's love of cooking, really embracing the cultures where we were and trying new things. Um, So it started there. And um, it's actually why I went into the travel and tourism industry initially is I wanted to cook. So, you know, I was knocking on restaurant doors as like a 14 year old. They're like, sorry, we can't hire you. You're you're too young. And um, so that's got got me started in hospitality, which morphed eventually into corporate project management. Um, but at one point I actually went to culinary school for pastry. So that's kind of my thing is desserts. What in the yeah, world? Yeah, for real. Yeah. You went to culinary school yeah, for pastry. To, yeah, I know. Right. So, um, so yeah, and now my son and I are gluten free. So I use my talents to, um, create gluten free desserts <laughs> for the two of us. Well, that's great. But that's I can fantastic. convert anything, like anything he wants, you know, Oh mom, I want to eat that. I was like, well, I'll figure it out. We'll make it gluten free. Don't worry. <laughs> Hillary, I have chills about what a talent that is. That you, can, you are a trained pastry chef. You can convert anything into gluten-free. Wow. Your well, son yeah. is extremely lucky. He is, yes. He's a lucky yeah. boy. And I'm a lucky mom. Yeah, so great. And I also love that, that trajectory from uh, you know hospitality and pastry chefing into project management. Like That is an interesting uh, yeah. career path. Yeah, yeah, you never know where you're going to end up. So true. Um, okay, so one other thing that I, I read about you kind of prepping for this episode is that um, you are invested in helping people create high-performance family cultures as well so that their family functions as a, a really great team. Mm-hmm. I think this aligns for me in the sense of being interested in uh, the connection between home and personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell me more about what what investing in that looks like for you? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so I think it's the foundation of all this work, you know, this project management piece, because it doesn't work without the people. And your starting point is building that high performing team and that culture within your family. Um, because it's not about the process, it's about the people and working together. And at home, like you said, it's focused on love. Um, and, and at work, you know, we don't, um, you know, we roll out projects and we do team building. So it's kind of similar at home. You can kind of like put that mindset at home and think of, okay, how can we build a really strong, high performing team within the family? And, and there are things you can do, um, to do that just like we do at work. It's just a little different angle. Um, and you know, being thoughtful, how are you spending time together? Are you doing activities that help you learn more about each other? Like how intentional are, are you, are you being about, you know, doing things together? Um, and then the other really important piece is that conversation mm-hmm. and that communication back and forth and bringing your kids in early in conversations about how things are going, you know, how do they want to help you problem solve if things come up, like, you know, when they're old enough, what's their opinion on vacation? You know, if you yeah. want, if you dare ask them <laughs> and you can accommodate. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's, it's building in those communication channels and that time together to create this team at home. 
Um, and part of that can be if you want to get, you know, sort of this advanced is, you know, you can start thinking about, okay, like, what's our vision as our family? Or what are our values? Or do we want to talk about those? Or, you know, do we want to put them on the dining room wall? Um, you know, how are we going to treat each other? And how do we want to have those difficult conversations? So they're all very intentional things that can be done to create this positive environment. Because, it's no fun if someone walks in with an Excel spreadsheet and says, this is our new task list. That's, I mean, that is not the way to do it. Sure. Like it's, it's about the relationships and um, building an environment in which people are working together. Um, and, and ultimately it's about helping our kids learn these life skills so that they can be successful adults. So we're kind of bringing them along for the journey um, so they can learn from us. And then eventually we're handing the baton to them and say, okay, you can create your own home with your own culture and your own environment in the way that you want. Yeah. You know, these are the, how I've equipped you to do that. Um, and, you know, eventually they can create the own, their own home life that they want. That is, that's so cool. I think the, that sort of mindfulness and intention towards uh, preparing a, a child's character and skill set in how how they go about their work, how they want to treat people, how do we, what are the values driving us, you know, all of that. I think that's that's really a, a pretty cool way to think about it and mm -hmm. be intentional about it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I I've yeah I've really really enjoyed this conversation. We're kind of like maybe moving towards wrap up here. Um, when you think about like this kind of intersection that you're interested in, project management, parenting, or anything, do you have you know if you were to give like one piece of advice to folks in ways that you think would result in a real transformation in their home, what piece of advice would you impart? I would say start with a conversation around the dinner table. You know, just have a conversation. Oh, what's going on this week? Or or, you know, what do we need to plan for? Or, you know, what do you think we should do about this? And start having that conversation together over dinner hmm. to, you know, start practicing talking through things. And, um, and, and just keep it really simple. And, um, you know, you can ask three questions if you want, like what went well this week? What didn't go well this week? And what do you want to focus on for next week? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so your kid may say, oh, um, you know, I really love the recess this week you know, snack time, I didn't like the potato chips that you sent. And, you know, next week, I want you to send Oreo cookies. So yeah. <laughs> so just a very silly example of, uh -huh. you know, just bringing them into the conversation, and then you can apply that, okay, if I don't want my kid to have a tantrum at school, I'll send something besides those potato chips that he doesn't like. <laughs> um, so it's just sort of starting to build that muscle. And just keep it very low key, very casual. Um, and then have those early conversations with your spouse if you have something coming up, like, you know, if, if you're planning for a school activity or a vacation or a renovation, have those conversations early and just um, talk, talk it through to completion of, you know, how do you want this to go? And, you know, how do you, how do you want to build it together? I love it. That is such a valuable thing. Conversations around the table that can help us figure out the plans moving forward and mm -hmm. all of that. What's working? What's not working? What do you want to try new? Uh, yeah. Problem so, solving together. Yeah. It's all building those really important muscles. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Hillary, for being an awesome guest. Excuse me. Um, it's been a really uh, great conversation. I learned so much. Uh, several times my mind was blown. Uh, Good. By the things that you had to share. Thank you very much. Uh, if others are equally as interested as I have been in this conversation, they want to hear more about what you're doing, what's a good way for them to follow you? 
Absolutely. So everything links out for my website, which is projectmanagementforparents.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, love to connect on LinkedIn. Um, I also have a book, projectmanagementforparents.com, that has all the details, 25 real life examples, and a bunch of tools that you can immediately apply. That's incredible. Projectmanagementforparents.com. I will make sure to include that in a link in the show notes, as well as a companion blog post for this episode. So thank you so much, Hillary, for being an awesome guest. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you giving us the time. Thanks for listening to Home Life for Extraordinary Impact. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Please take a moment to rate it, like it, and subscribe wherever you have listened or watched. If you really loved it, check the link in the show notes to become a premium subscriber to support the ongoing work of this project and to unlock some exclusive premium episodes. Home Life for Extraordinary Impact is a project of Home Life Design Lab. Find out more at homelifedesignlab.com where you can sign up for the newsletter and follow along on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks. Thanks.